Section six of the Empire of Business by Andrew Carnegie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in August 2020. The Empire of Business, Section six Anglo American Trade Relations this section contrasts the commercial methods of the two countries the part the tariff plays in trade protective tariff in the united states free trade in britain and a comparison of results upon the threshold of this great question we encounter that evergreen subject of discussion free trade versus protection there is only one kind of free trade but there are two kinds of protection first the british kind and then the american variety very different indeed in theory and in practice protection in britain simply means that the food of the people should be permanently made dearer to the consumer and consequently that the value of land should be permanently and artificially enhanced now the american idea of protection is that foreshadowed by mill it adheres to adam smith's great doctrine that the end to be aimed at is the best supply of an article at the lowest price under the free exchange of commodities thus he keeps ever in view the consumer if we have reason to believe that the resources of a country are such as only need development to furnish a better and cheaper supply of an article than has ever been or could ever be obtained from other lands we believe with adam smith that it is sometimes advisable to pay dearer for that article for a time if the end be the conquest of a greater market adam smith was not a wild dogmatist upon the subject of free trade indeed he has recorded his opinion that he might as well expect utopia upon earth as the establishment of complete free trade even in britain and where changes were to be made in fiscal laws he is clear always upon this point that these must be slowly made and without serious injury to trade as it exists here are two examples to illustrate the difference between protection in england and in america during the war for the union the american people were hurt and incensed by hostility shown not by the british people but by the british government they determined to limit the use of british products as much as possible and especially to be independent in the supply of iron and steel the sinews of war since by england's warlike attitude and the building of the alabama it was not as certain as thank the fates it is now that war between the two countries could not come thus does wrong done nations or people bring retribution and every foe created is a danger ready to explode the alabama gave us thirty years continuous protection and enables us to invade britain successfully with our steel the government asked manufacturers how much duty would be required to induce them to enter the new business of making steel up to that time we had made none successfully thirty percent duty was asked and obtained all know the result not only is the american supplied with cheaper steel than any nation in the world britain not accepted but it is certain that a large part of the wants of the world is to be supplied by this country it is beyond all question the country which can best produce steel to-day 
now we think the temporary protection given and which has been reduced to one-fourth its first extent is here fully vindicated take the other case the best men of every nation must ever labor to advance the material progress of that nation by introducing new manufactures and it was thought that with proper protection for a time the union would grow a full supply of sugar cheaper than it could be brought from abroad this experiment however resulted in failure we were mistaken therefore protection was abandoned and sugar made free in the one case protection was a success in the other a failure i think that what has taken place in the united states may be expected to take place in other nations one after the other as they develop every nation will try to produce within its own borders an article when there is a probability of its being able to make it cheaper and better than it could be had from abroad and we must wait patiently the result of these trials just as the united states abandoned the protection of sugar so i believe other nations will come to the american idea of protection that it is folly to protect forever that the attempt of a nation to benefit itself by a permanent tax upon any article as a matter of protection is akin to the attempt of a man to raise himself by pulling up his suspenders thorough believer as i am in the theory that sometimes it is wise for a young nation to induce capital and brains to engage in the experiment of manufacturing something new which is always attended with special risks i am none the less a believer in adam smith's great doctrine that the end must be the free exchange of commodities by all the nations of the world subject only to the necessity of revenue but this matter of revenue is important you remember mr chamberlain was at one time carried away with the idea of a zolferine of the empire you were to have free trade within its bounds as we have within the forty-five states embraced in the union a brilliant idea at first sight but after conferring with the colonials at the jubilee mr chamberlain announced that he could not be induced to touch the subject with tongs it is well for a statesman to change his opinions when he finds them wrong the british colonies to-day feel that they have to raise most of their revenue from taxing imports and therefore a zolverine did not seem practicable and there are other objections for instance the united states adds to its duties upon sugar an amount equal to the bounty paid by any nation upon its growth this is considered only fair to our own producers of sugar it is probable therefore that for the present probably for our own day the needs of revenue and the impracticability of collecting it from internal taxes will cause the british colonies to continue high duties upon imports especially such as may be classed as luxuries which means the finest things of all grades in other words things used not by the masses of the poor but by the rich few such is certainly a popular policy and it is well known how potent votes are to the politician the same influences will i believe prevail in the united states i know of no mode of raising revenue so easy or one so satisfactory to the voters it may be a surprise but i believe it is true that under our present tariff policy the masses of the american people practically escape taxation 
they use almost indeed i might say wholly home-made articles home tobacco wine spirits and beer home-made cotton and woolen cloths and silks serviceable but not so fine as the foreign and all these are to-day surprisingly cheap i had a proof of that recently a family in comfortable circumstances not rich went to england each year with their five children to visit parents formerly the cost of their passage was saved by the purchase of clothing and other articles the lady told us she bought nothing on the other side now she could clothe her children cheaper in new york there is much testimony tending to bear this out we find our servants who pass with us to and fro buying many articles in new york but pray remember not fine luxurious articles in which people with ample means indulge upon these about which there need be no fear our rich class will ever forego we can by high duties raise a large amount of needed revenue without greatly restricting the demand the rich classes of the republic hesitate little about cost in their luxuries and fine silks fine linen fine lace finest woolen fabrics fine wines or scotch whisky and british beer are among our luxuries pray note this policy will no longer be pursued primarily for protection but for revenue only even if protection as a policy were discarded it is probable such articles would be taxed the masses would demand this it is a great mistake to think that it is the few and not the many who favor taxing the imported articles used by the few rich it is my opinion that there can be no abolition of such duties in our day this is the most popular of all means of raising revenue there is a new revelation in trade between nations which cannot be overlooked it may now be taken as established that raw materials in favored parts of the world have now attained the power to attract to them capital and ability so that they will as a rule be manufactured close at hand the various peoples display unsuspected capacity for manufacturing the poor men and women of india the peons of mexico the negroes of america make satisfactory mill operatives the chinese and japanese are becoming so also britain and the united states furnish a few heads of departments automatic machines need little skill in the mere workers we must expect great changes to flow from this fact it behooves britain long the chief and at one time indeed almost the sole manufacturing nation of importance and the united states also to keep our standard of efficiency at the very highest in every department there may come changes amounting to revolution from this cause sir sutherland of the p and o recently spoke to his shareholders of the probability of ordering steamships in the far east i think however he will first obtain these from britain and america it is a far cry to the far east while we may not look for any great increase in the foreign trade of nations nothing comparable for instance to the growth of their domestic trade since the tendency is for nations to supply their chief wants still i believe that the increase of the population and of wealth creating new wants and extending the field of present wants must be such as to keep the exchange of articles not only at its present volume but with a small ratio of increase how small foreign trade is at best compared to internal trade in the case of the united states 
notwithstanding its exported manufacturers last year eighteen ninety nine to the extent of eighty millions pound sterling four hundred million dollars this was not quite a paltry five per cent of the total value of its manufactures above eighteen hundred millions there is little to fear as to the wants of the world britain's only concern is to remain and become the country which can best supply them so much for anglo-american trade relations in these days of bitter partisanship and sectarianism it seems almost essential that there should arise a body of intelligent men in each centre who know neither rank wealth party nor creed in their deliberations as members of such body who subordinate all other issues to those which concern the peace and prosperity of their country which extends its view to all peoples of all lands rightly regarding men everywhere as a brotherhood bound together and therefore dependent in greater or less degree in a common prosperity and which sees in the peace and prosperity of other nations results not antagonistic but tributary to their own discarding these narrow conceptions of the ordinary politician who sees in war against other lands benefits to his own and i fear sees even more clearly popularity for himself it is essentially true concerning commercial nations especially such as great britain long has been and must remain and such as our newer republic is becoming which is fast sharing with the mother country the business of the world that there is no measure of prosperity in any part of the world in which we do not share the whole world pays tribute to the nations which supply in any considerable degree its wants hence the greatest interest of britain and of america is peace hence also a wise policy to sustain peace a grave error of policy to disturb it since we cannot destroy the prosperity of any nation without impairing our own any seeming temporary gain from the injury of others is really a loss in the end this is perhaps what may be called a view for the future but steps toward its acceptance are being taken even in our own day the first step lies in exploding the idea that trade follows the flag the fact is that trade sends the best to bargain trade is no respecter of flags loyal canada buys her union jacks in new york she trades with the republic to three times the extent she trades with england and to a greater extent than with all other nations combined in vain does any nation seek political or nominal control over foreign territory with a view to permanent commercial advantage under free trade or equal laws for all she secures or holds only the market which she can best supply to spend millions of money and thousands of lives for the political control of new territory may be considered necessary sometimes for political reasons but never for the requirements of trade we shall have gained one step forward then when it is freely recognized that political acquisition is not essential for acquiring the trade of a new territory this truth even america just now needs to relearn since she is trying to acquire political control of the philippines british and american interests are safeguarded when equal laws for all nations are secured thus the interests of both countries in foreign trade have become the same and should lead to a common policy the open door and peace 
allowing all nations all peoples to follow their own laws of development in perfect freedom we have had many proofs recently of the familiar adage that blood is thicker than water very much thicker as i believe between the members of our own race in the evident drawing together of the english-speaking race and all that this implies we see the dawn of a new sentiment rising the patriotism of race a sentiment of pride and devotion in the race now given by one half of the race to the union jack and by the other half of the race to the stars and stripes the other of the two flags which unitedly hold sway over all english-speaking men for no community exists speaking our tongue which does not owe allegiance to one or the other of these symbols the silver lining to the clouds of war in which alas the two branches of our race are at present engaged is that it has so turned out that these now stand closer to each other than at any time since they separated we may safely i believe quite safely assume that no question can ever arise between the two nations but one people which will not be amicably settled that no government can ever exist in either land strong or wicked enough to resist the demand of the best of the people of both that the settlement of differences shall not be by the brutal arbitrament of the sword the day has passed when english-speaking men will ever be called upon to kill each other in battle the sun is never again to shine upon such a spectacle we have passed that stage and turned down the pages of that horrid story for ever what then of the future charged with this potent new sentiment of race patriotism which seems drawing upon us our own race especially is prone to the disease known as land hunger great britain has spread its red spots of sovereignty all over the world we have stretched from the shores of the atlantic three thousand miles to the pacific from the st lawrence to the gulf of mexico and not content i fear following britain's perilous example we are trying to annex foreign territory the truth is that we have taken the scripture much to heart which tells us that the meek shall inherit the earth and which our humorist mark twain said explained it all our race is so meek at all events we seem to have lost no time in discovering that the true and only reliable proof of the true inheritors was whether they spoke english this expanding epoch must soon pass it is the law of development that each country shall eventually rule itself canada does so australia is about to assume sovereign sway both have their own fiscal tariffs against even english products the seventeen republics of south america only recently governed by spain are now all independent and self-governing it is only during the periods of development that distant powers can govern and hold sway over a people but during this stage such may be the benign effects of the government that even after practical control has been taken over by the new community the ties between mother and child may not only remain unbroken but stronger than ever before of this canada and australia give ample proof by the wise kind peaceful and conciliatory policy pursued a race patriotism has been created within the empire which depends upon moral forces the most enduring of all not upon law but upon love the success of britain's colonial policy in recent times is one of the grandest triumphs ever achieved by a nation perhaps the grandest of all 
it has been possible only by peaceful not by warlike means a victory much more renowned than any conquest by force and more enduring as the future is to show the flag of great britain floats over canada and australia by the desire of their people they are part of the solid united whole and the question now is whether this federation of the race is to stop within the empire or finally develop into a federal council for the entire race governing international relations which involve the peace of the world and leaving home rule to each country in all other affairs even as to the form of government itself a crowned or uncrowned republic i am on record as having predicted years ago that our english-speaking race would one day be again united it was not so very long since here is a fit field for our chamber of commerce to cultivate for it lies in the direction of peace and goodwill for the present at least they can exert their influence to strengthen the good feeling the drawing together of the two branches i failed to mention one of the best perhaps the best of all the results of our temporary policy of protection it has brought to us so many british manufacturers to establish industries and thus develop our resources the clarks and the coatses of paisley the dolans of yorkshire the sandersons of sheffield and last but certainly not least a great prize from halifax who could expect us not to extol our idea of protection if we capture the firths we must not line them up for a king's ransom we need as many of the halifax quality as can be had whenever our tariffs suit all may take a sweeping revenge come over and enjoy a perfect free trade in the forty-five nations of the union and be happy the republic calls them to come one come all it taxes highest the gems and precious things imported but these jewels beyond price are admitted duty-free it is not only for their value industrially that they should be valued but as links binding the old and the new lands the mother and the child together some of the younger members of the firm settle among us their children marry americans or when they visit the old home contract alliances there and the true anglo-american is the result who is not unlikely to prove the coming man possessed of the virtues and strength of both races and the vices or weaknesses of neither and who at all events we may rest assured will be the foremost disciple of race patriotism and labor for the coming of the day of common citizenship within the wide and ever-expanding boundaries of our race end of section six anglo-american trade relations